Turn with me in your copy of God's Word to Matthew 25. Let's start Bible drills. Matthew 25. Look on your iPad, your iPhone, your copy of a book of God's Holy Word. When you find it, stand up. Oh, my. You had your finger there, didn't you, Dennis? You was ready to roll. Everybody else, whenever you get there, go ahead and stand up in honor of God's Word. We're going to read this uh, little scripture here together. Or I'm going to read it and you follow along. In Matthew chapter 25. Everybody there, sort of? I hear some pages turning. We'll wait just a second. You iPhone people, you got it there? All right. Here we go. Matthew 25. Look at verse number 31. Verse number 31, and we'll follow along as we read. Verse number 31 of Matthew 25. When the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Before Him will be gathered all the nations, and He will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And He will place the sheep on His right, but the goat's on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Now skip down to verse number 41. 41. Verse 41. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Verse 46. 46. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Let's pray. God, I pray you would bless the reading of your word. Thank you for it. It is holy. It is inerrant. It is infallible. It is inspired. It is just your perfect word. It's God-breathed, and we thank you for it. Tonight, Father, I pray that you would allow me to be your mouthpiece, to speak what we need to hear, and let us hear from you tonight. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you. Be seated. Tonight I want us to consider why would a loving God send people to hell? Why would a loving God send people to hell? Most people don't want to talk about hell. Hell is a stumbling block for a lot of people because they, they think, well, the existence of hell means that just leads them to an excuse for not believing in God. Many uh, just choose that they just don't want to believe the existence of a true literal hell. Some people think this way, and an evangelist actually said this. He said, I couldn't hold a person's hand to a fire for a moment. Even for a second, I couldn't hold somebody's hand to a fire. So I ask you, how could a loving God send people to hell, torture forever, just because they didn't obey him? That doesn't sound like a very loving God to me. That's what people say. He, he wouldn't even allow you to die. He just sends you to this place called hell, eternal torment and eternal uh, damnation, and forces you to be in pain for eternity. And therein is the reason we have that question. How could a loving God send people to hell? Why would a loving God send people to such a horrible place? It's cruel, it's unfair, it's eternal damnation. <clears throat> Tonight I want us to begin this time, these, the, the series. And what it's going to be, it's going to be answering some questions that people have. Some questions that you might encounter out in the world. Some questions that you might have heard in the workplace or at school. 
How could a loving God send a person to hell? Why would he do that? There's a couple of points that I want to make and, and to help us understand more about this place called hell. Number one is this. Hell is a real place. Hell is a real place. It's, it's not a myth. It was not invented by some film directors that were wanting to do better with their horror films. So they said, let's just invent this place called hell and let's make it really scary. No, it wasn't that. And it sure wasn't made up by parents wanting to get their kids to obey better, you know, coming up with reasons. Because throughout the Bible, hell exists. It is a true, true place. If you've got an ink pen and a, a paper or take some notes here, I'll tell you a couple of verses. Psalm 9 and verse 17. Psalm 9 17 says, The wicked shall return to Sheol, all the nations that forget God. Daniel 12 and verse 2 says, And many of those who are asleep in the dust of the earth shall wake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Revelation chapter 20 verse 15 says, If anyone's name, and listen to this, if anyone's name is not found written in the Lamb's book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Some might not realize this, but Jesus, listen, Jesus Christ in, in what we have in the Gospels, Jesus had more, listen, Jesus had more to say about hell than any other person or group in the Bible. Oh, it gets even bigger. Jesus had more to say about hell than all the others combined. Jesus talked about hell a lot. I believe in Jesus. If Jesus was talking about hell, then hell is a real place. Most of what we know about hell comes from the very lips of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the Gospels. He repeatedly warned people over and over, you don't want to go to this horrible place. In Matthew 8, and verse number 12, Matthew 8, 12 says, in that, place, in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. According to the book of truth, y'all know what the book of truth is? Somebody tell me what the book of truth is. The Bible. According to the book of truth, the Bible, there is no doubt that hell is an actual place. Every person, listen, every person is going to go to one of two places. Heaven or hell. Hell is a very real place. The second thing is this. Hell is an eternal place. Hell is an eternal place. You know what the word eternal means? Forever. Hell is an eternal place, Jim. Once you get there, listen. Once you get to hell, there's no second chance. A lot of people say, well, I want to go to hell because that's where my friends are going to be. That's where the party's going to be. Friends, you don't want to go there. Once you get to hell, you can't change your mind. Once you get to hell, there is no second place. There is an entrance, but there is no exit there is no exit doors in hell. Matthew 25, 46 says, And these will go away into eternal punishment. Eternal punishment. But the righteous into eternal life. 
You remember the story that Jesus told, the parable that Jesus told about the rich man and Lazarus? And, and this rich man discovered, he said, he said, how can I come over? Because there's a chasm fixed between you and me. It's there in Luke 16, 26. It says, besides all this, between us and you is a great chasm has been fixed in order that those who could pass from here to you may not be able and none may cross from there to us. Friends, once a person goes to hell, there is not a second, play, a second chance. It is eternal. It is forever. And when you get there and you want to leave those who want to, I better say that differently. Everybody's going to want to leave. Every single person, including the devil and the demons, are wanting, going to want to leave hell. There is nobody that would want to be there. None. But even if you wanted to, or all those that want to, you can't leave. You know what's ironic? Everybody would want to leave hell. Nobody would want to leave heaven. You're going to one of two places for eternity. Hell is an eternal place. Heaven is an eternal place. Here in hell, that scripture we just read about that fixed chasm, that word fixed, or maybe your Bible says set in place, that means everything that goes to hell is permanent. Does that start to stick, start to sink in? Hell is permanent. It's immovable. In hell, there is no hope. There's no growth. There's no change. Proverbs eleven seven says, "When the wicked dies, his hope will perish." Even the most wicked person on earth still has a little hope. But in hell, that eternal place, there's none. You see, this life we live right now, all of us are living right now. And we are looking to a great old life. Maybe you're going to live to 100, 110. Well, maybe longer than that. But the point is, everyone has an end. Even the great Methuselah at 969, he ended his life. His life was ended. Your life on this earth is going to end. Everybody's life on this earth is going to end. You have an end on, on earth. But eternity is forever. Boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, it's not what happens after you die that makes the difference. It's what happens before you die that makes the difference. And you and I must make a decision. What are we going to do with Jesus? What are we going to do with this hell situation? What are we going to do with heaven? You and I must see that it's not what happens after you die that makes the difference. It's what happens before you die. How are you living your life right now? You have eternity to look forward to in heaven or 
the other side hell. What are you doing with your life? This life has an end. A hundred years if we're all fortunate. Maybe a little more. Compared to eternity, that's huge. Your eternal destiny, once you get to hell, once you get there, you can't change it. If you make it to hell, you're going to stay in hell. If you make it to heaven, you're going to stay in heaven. If you get there, the eternal destiny stays the same. Once we pass through that door of death, we can't pick up our suitcase and say, I've been here, I've been here long enough. I want to go to the other side. We can't do that. There is an entrance, but there's not an exit. So hell is a real place. Hell is an eternal place. And hell is a place of suffering and anguish. So people say, well, how can loving God send, send a person to hell? Well, we're going to get there in just a second, but I want to help you understand what hell is. It's real. It's eternal. And it's a, pla it's a place of anguish, despair, hurt. Let me try my best to help you grasp the enormity of how bad hell is to describe the anguish let's first think emotionally you're going to suffer emotionally Gehenna is often the term that is used in the Bible and scripture to give us a picture of hell and several of you know what Gehenna is. It's, 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 a, it's a low place. It's a deep valley right outside of Jerusalem. And in Jesus' day, it was a garbage dump. It was a place that smoldered 24-7. Just continually smoldering, burning. And Jesus used Gehenna as an example to help people know how terrible hell was going to be. I think he used it because it's a garbage dump. I think he used it to tell the people, if you don't listen and receive the message of Jesus, you're throwing your life away. You're throwing it in the garbage heap. If you don't invest in things above, if you don't place your time and efforts and resources and give it to things above then you're just investing in garbage see Matthew 8 12 says in that place there's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth an evangelist said that that gnashing of teeth is like putting your teeth together and A feeling of regret. A feeling of anguish. <sighs> In hell, emotionally, you're going to be doing it. Oh, I blew it. I messed up. How could I be so stupid not to listen? The emotional anguish that you'll experience if you were to end up there. Not to mention what I think we often think about, the suffering physically. 
Emotionally, we're going to suffer, but also physically, we're going to suffer. You remember the rich man and Lazarus, and he was saying, I, I, can you just give me a drop of water? Can you just give me a drop? Stick your finger and give me a drop. Did you hear what he asked for? He didn't ask for a bucket. He didn't ask for a cup. He didn't ask for a thermos. He didn't ask for a waterfall. He didn't ask for anything other than, he didn't say, I just need a gulp. He said, I just need a drop. He was telling us a single drop of water would be precious beyond description. Can you fathom how terrible physically Hell must be if a single drop is, oh, if I could just have a drop of water. The physical anguish of hell will go on forever and ever and ever in eternity, just like we heard. That suffering and despair, nothing will ever stop in eternity. You know, sometimes we experience pain here on earth. Rule accused me of sleeping at the movie on Friday night. I told him this morning, he said, what was you doing over there sleeping? I said, no, honestly, my back was hurting and I was leaning back in my chair trying to get myself comfortable. But here's the point of that. Here on earth, we experience pain. Your leg hurts, you might try to limp a little bit and not put so much pressure on that pain. My back was hurting at the movie Friday night, so I was trying to sit in such a way that I could relieve that pain. You see, here on earth, you might be a runner, or you might, you might be a swimmer, you might do anything, and when you have a physical ailment and something physically hurting, if, you, if you've hurt your arm, you try to, try to take care of it, and you try to not use it as much. We do whatever we have to do to relieve ourselves of the pain, but in hell, the pain will never go away. In hell, the pain will never, ever, ever. You can't do anything to take that, that pain away. We see in, in Mark chapter 9, verse 48, it says, Where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Now listen, before you start on me, saying, Well, Brother Mark, that is symbolic. That's symbolic of what Jesus was talking about. And there's scholars that would agree with you. That that's not true, that the worm never dies and then the fire is not, not, is not quenched. Well, I'm going to let you just run with that, even if it is symbolic. Some say Jesus is speaking symbolic, and I say this. If he was speaking symbolically, hell is even worse than a worm not dying and the fire not quenched. You know, I, I take my wedding ring as an example. I've wore this ring, and I've got an indention in my finger. Even when they told me I ought to take it off, I've not taken it off, and I can't even get it off if I wanted to right now. But it's symbol. It's a symbol of my marriage to my wife, Tara. And this gold reminds you of the precious, the precious marriage that you got, the, how, how precious your marriage is to you. But also, I look at this ring, and it is gold. It's not the modern look like a lot of people get. Mine's just an old piece of gold. But you know, it's dented, it's scuffed, it's scratched, it's worn smooth in places. But you know what? It reminds me of 24 wonderful years. But you know what? The, the, symbolic, the symbolism of this doesn't compare to being married to her. I'm trying to get brownie points. <laughs> no, no, seriously. 
You know, the, the symbolism, it's just a symbol. It's a ring. When in actuality, the marriage is even better, even greater. And see, that's the way symbols work. That's what Jesus was doing. If he was using symbols, if Jesus was using worm and fire as a symbol, then listen, friend. If the worm never dies in hell and the fire is not quenched, if that's just symbolism, I would hate to hear about the real thing. Hell is terrible. You suffer emotionally. You suffer physically. But for me, and I think I've told you before, the worst thing about hell is suffering spiritually. God's presence gone. You see, right now, as I said a moment ago, even the most ungodly, even the worst person ever on this earth, the most insensitive of all sinners, that person still benefits by having God looking out maybe of a prison cell and seeing a blue sky. Looking out maybe and hearing birds singing. Looking and seeing fall leaves fall or the fresh snow or, or the, the beauty of spring as life comes back. Here on earth, you see, God is still restraining evil. He's still holding back. Nothing hits us, as we've said many times, without it first coming through the hand of God. And he's still holding evil back here on this earth. He's holding evil back and he's working miracles. We get to see that all the time. We got to see that and hear about that with Lakely. We get to hear about that and see that with how he takes care of us as we drove a mile, but we drove here and nobody waylaid us. We get to see that when Randall and Michelle driving north, I mean, it's all normal and the somebody come up, wham, driving 70 miles an hour down the interstate. None of us would have expected that, but he took care of them. He took care of them and Becca. He took care of us. You see how God is holding back evil. He's holding it back for you. He's taking care of you and me. But in hell, God is not there. He removes himself. God no longer intervening. You know, maybe that's why the Bible calls it outer darkness, utter darkness, the bottomless pit. Bottomless means can't get any deeper. Utter darkness means the lost sea hadn't seen nothing. Y'all been in the lost sea when they turn the lights out? Dark. Nothing compared to what it is in hell. So hell is real. Hell is eternal. Hell is a place where you're going to suffer. Friends, hell is a necessary place. I hate to say that. 
is necessary. Because true justice demands that there be a hell. God wants you to receive his son Jesus as your eternal savior. He wants you Christian to share the good news of the gospel. But it's a fair and just place because every one of us deserves it. How often you and I have failed God. But the shed blood of Jesus covers all that failure, all of that sin. Jesus paid the price he didn't owe to cover my sin and yours. You know the story of that rich man and Lazarus? When, they, when he was talking, in G, that's Jesus' parable, he complained a lot about his pain he was in. But do you see anywhere that he complained about it being unfair or unjust? He knew he deserved what he was getting. He just, he just talked about the pain. And then he said, eh, Would you go tell my brothers? Because I don't want them to be part of this. Go tell my brothers. Because he knew they deserved the same fate. We all know we deserve to be punished. And friends, that ought to inspire you and me to go tell other people about the saving power of Jesus. To get real. Quit being so petty. Quit being so whatever that you've been, that I've been, that we've been. Let's tell people about Jesus and his saving power. So we come back. Hell's real. Hell's eternal. Hell's a place of anguish and suffering and despair. Hell is just. It's necessary. But Brother Mark, you've not answered what you said you was going to answer. How could a loving God send someone to hell? I answer it this way. God is completely righteous. God is completely holy. He is morally perfect. And Psalm 18 and verse 30 says, This God, His way is perfect. God always does what's right. He will always do the right thing. Even when you and I don't understand everything, He has a standard. His standard is the right standard. He is the way, the truth, and the life. His way is truth. And if God does it, then it must be right. Who am I to question his way of doing things? Because if I question his way of doing things, I must be more right than him. Do you see that line of thinking? 
I trust him. So to answer the question, God always does the right thing. And we have to just trust him. He also called you and me to go out and tell the good news. So that we can leave this earth when we do, knowing that we've done everything we possibly can to make the way known unto others around us. And there is what the invitation is tonight. Now I know you feel awkward coming up here. This is there's not an altar, but you know something? There is an altar, the altar of your heart. You feel like you need to come pray? You just come up here, stand, you sit, you kneel, you do anything to make a public commitment. You come ask me, I would love to pray with you. And most importantly, would you listen closely? There might be somebody here right now that does not have a relationship with Jesus. I would love to tell you more. If you need more information, you got more questions about Jesus, I, it doesn't matter how young, how old, it does, I would love to tell you more about my Jesus. I would love to help you and lead you and show you Scripture for you to be able to accept his free gift of salvation, that Jesus died on the cross, he rose again, he's in heaven preparing a way for you, and he's just waiting on you to admit, believe, confess, turn, and look to him. I would love to tell you more. Whatever your need is tonight, though, friend, the time of invitation is for you. I'm going to ask Jason and Kay to come, and we're going to pray, and we're just going to ask God to have his way in this time. Lord, I pray that you would anoint this time we have in just a second. People may come now, but it's, it's, it's your time of response, Lord, that we need to respond to you. So whatever needs to occur, let it be in accordance with your will. Let your will be accomplished, and we proclaim your son Jesus above everything. And we thank you for him dying on the cross, rising again for us to have eternal life, to avoid hell. Let us be celebrating our heavenly destination. In Jesus' name, amen.